episode number 44 with Don Ebert of the Idaho Fishing Game Commission. And it's election day. Let's go. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is episode number 44 of the Western Huntsman Podcast. My name is Jim Huntsman, your host, and I'm coming at you from the Broken Time Studio in Hayden, Idaho. A freaking nice day out here. Uh, it's been uh, super nice weather lately, which is always good. And whitetail season, the rut is upon us. Folks, man, I know there's people out there seeing these uh, these whitetail getting fired up. I'm, uh, I haven't yet. I don't have, I haven't had any bucks on my cameras yet, which is pretty rare for this time of year, but I know they're coming. I know they're, I have faith that at some point the year 2020 is going to deliver like it's supposed to and not keep acting like a, a tantrum throwing toddler. Um, <laughs> like the rest of the year, this, uh, this banner year we've all had has, uh, has shown to be. So guys, welcome to the show today. I got a great conversation with a guy named Don Ebert. He is one of the commissioners of the Idaho fish and game. And, uh, we talk a lot about like process and, and how things happen, um, how rules are changed, uh, who, who has say over what, uh, we talk non-residents, we talk, wolves we talk uh you know hunting whitetail we we just we bump into a lot of different topics it's it's a really fun conversation actually it uh it turned out it ended up being a lot better than um what uh what i was anticipating uh not not because i was anticipating anything bad with don per se but sometimes the the conversation of of you know wildlife management through through commission and and the fish and game and you know dwrs and these different agencies throughout the different states can get a little bit dry at times but uh, this one is actually really good it was a really fun conversation don's a great guy he's a small town idaho guy that uh he's an entrepreneur He's uh, he owns a grocery store. He's got a business degree. He's down in the Clearwater uh, region, and uh, it's just one of those guys that likes to serve his community. And he's been doing that for a long time, whether it's on the county commission or the school board. Uh, now it's uh, the Idaho Fish and Game Commission, and I think you guys will get a lot out of this. So, and it doesn't matter if you're in Idaho or not; you'll still get a lot out of this. So, um, looking forward to that. I'm going to transfer. I'm going to hit the uh, the the button here in just a minute and and transfer that on over to Mr. Don Ebert. But in the meantime guys it is election day and there is like just a message i think that i i i would like to get out there and it's unsolicited i know you guys probably don't want to hear it but it's election day it's like this major major deal because it's 2020 and 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 you know the big talk right now is is whether or not donald trump's going to get reelected or if we're going to elect joe biden you guys, if you've listened to the show at all, you know who I'm rooting for, and and I don't really, you know, I, I don't hide behind it. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to to see Trump pull it off, 
Uh, I think he's a lot more friendly towards gun owners, uh, obviously, and uh, smaller government and, uh, and less taxes and the things that I value in my life. Uh, and I say that to tell you this. If you disagree with that and and you want Biden to pull it off and, and, and you want to you want to see Biden take uh, the the or the the office over as president, uh, that's OK with me. I don't I don't I don't hate you for it. I hope you don't hate me for for supporting Trump. And I'm actually really looking forward to this election being over. Again, I, I, I hope Trump wins. I, in fact, I hope it's a freaking landslide and just slaps some of these Hollywood liberals right in the face. I, I do. Um, if, if I'm being totally candid with, with the audience here, that's what I hope to see happen. Do I think that's going to happen? I, I, I have no idea. We're going to watch this play out tonight. But uh, I'm recording this, and then I'm taking off on a, um, to the spot where I know some mule deer are lurking, and I'm going to see if there's a buck with them. Uh, and then I'll be back to to watch the results of the election. But I uh, wanted to get this episode out before I leave. So, uh, but it's a it's a big day. And and what I, I I guess the the messaging it's just gotten so ugly. It's just gotten so ugly. You know this this it wasn't like this 10, 20, 30 years ago. You can go to the grocery store, and you know the the person that was a Republican might run into the person that's a Democrat, and and they could still have a, a a good conversation and laugh with each other, and and still be neighbors, and still be friends, and not threaten civil war and violence and and hatred, and not inviting family over for Thanksgiving and Christmas because of the uh, the election results, and, and and all this stuff. So I I just I I'm anything that can be said to maybe get back to that place. The, I, I think one of the problems that has come out of like a lot of the technology and social media and, and, and stuff, you know, is people get so freaking ugly with each other. Like they say shit to you on Facebook. They wouldn't say to your face. And, and that's a problem. A lot of people get a lot more mouthy that way. And the, and a lot of these people are people that have never got popped in the lips and you know, for, and it doesn't matter. I've been popped in the lips by my grandma for mouthing off. And, and and I think that that is like this lost art these days, and it's turned everybody into a bunch of temper tantrum throwing babies. That if you don't see it their way, you they they just they, all of a sudden you're the enemy, and and that's wrong. We have to come together no matter what, and still understand that when you strip all the social media memes out of your life, we're still Americans, and we're probably not as different as. Uh, the the media and Hollywood would would make it make it make it seem uh, it, talking to my 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 small government Republican type peeps out there, you know, most Democrats don't want to take your guns away. It's only the extremists that want want that, and 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 that's that's a big issue as hunters. You know, we we uh, you know, the guns are a big part of our life, and and they're important. And I I have guns that are a tool, and I use them for many different things, including the defense of my home and my family, and uh, if need be, my country. And uh, and then obviously, I like to I like to shoot deer with them. I like to shoot elk with them. I like to you know. Whatever the case is, you guys just – this is just obvious stuff. Uh, the, the, the point being is I'm, I'm looking forward to this election being over, and I'm hoping that once it is over, things calm down and people can, like, be friends again. And people can, you know, stop posting uh, these these crazy, wild, fanatical memes uh, against each other as if you're going to change somebody else's mind. And, and uh, you know, it's just it's just been so frustrating to see sometimes because there's just so much vitriol 
And that that shouldn't be it shouldn't be that way. We we just, you know, let's get over it. Let's get over it. Like the president of the United States is a big deal. It is a big deal. And and I know that the the differences between both sides have grown wildly over the last like like in 1960 there wasn't this huge 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 difference between Republicans and Democrats like there is now. Now today like it's it's it, the, the 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 it has widened for sure. And I'm not I'm not denying that. But I mean I just I just hope that in the end when this is all said and done with Trump wins and we can all just get back to normal life. No, I'm I'm kidding about that. But I I, I do. If there's a message I can I can give you guys and and hopefully you guys could take away uh, this election can get over. We can put it behind us and everybody can come together and 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 enjoy Thanksgiving together and all these things that uh, I think are are real American values and and how how real Americans think and, and despite what you know MSNBC or Jennifer Aniston tells us. Um, we're we're a lot tighter. We're we're still America. We're still one country, and uh, we can all believe in each other the way this this country was founded. So that, my friends, is that. That was my epic political rant, first ever on the Western Husband podcast. What'd you think? <laughs> all right, let's talk about today's guest real quick. Uh, Don Ebert is in a unique position. He's uh, like I said in the beginning here, commissioner in the Idaho Fishing Game. Can you imagine the myriad of different opinions he gets thrown at him and different perspectives from rifle hunters to archery hunters to from trappers to houndsmen to uh, pro hunters versus anti hunters? All these different attitudes and perspectives and personalities uh, with within within the state. It's not just unique to Idaho. My, you guys listening to this in, in Colorado and New Mexico and all these other places, they, you guys have the same kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's an interesting place to be. And my goal was, is, um, and I kind of talk about this when I get them on the line, but I, I wanted to kind of create or shine some light on some areas of how the fish and game in, in the state of Idaho, at least, uh, operates and the challenges that they face and how the process works. Because if you look at like a lot of the topics that, uh, you see again, social me- media, they're like the bane of our existence lately. Um, you, you watch, you read some of these comments that come out. Uh, it's, it's really interesting to see some of the misinterpretations as to how the, the agency operates and how decisions are made, how rules are changed, how, uh, the, the process really comes down to, uh, how this, you know, how the, the, the petitions are, are formed and signed and, and discussed and debated and, and then finally signed into a rule change or a law, uh, from the legislature. So anyway, it's really interesting. And, and Don does a good job of explaining all this. And kind of walking us through the process and and uh, why he's done it and why or why he like he, he does do it and felt felt kind of you know from a sense of duty and service to to go into the fishing game uh, as a commissioner so really cool story really cool story for sure uh, and this is I think the first episode since the the Trump administration uh, went ahead and delisted wolves. and and that's on a on a federal level that's nationally so that is actually really good news. Um, for based on the conversations we've had lately, this is uh, this should make this should help us. Um, the one thing that the commissioner pointed out, Don, uh, that I I wasn't really thinking about is is this gonna is this gonna amplify the voices that are pro wolf and you know maybe unite them, make them stronger and work harder together and try to legislate these these wolves back into being listed on the Endangered Species Act. 
uh, because they, they sure as heck, if you've, <laughs> I've had, I've had some interesting conversations going on, uh, specifically with this group on Facebook called the Center for Biological Diversity. These guys are, uh, they're fanatical. This is a fanatical organization that attracts fanatical people to give them money. Um, and, and you could tell by just when they post something, the, the, the biased way in which they post it and, and make it sound like, you know, Trump is personally wanting to kill every wolf on the planet kind of thing. You know, that's kind of the, the narrative that they, they start creating, which which isn't the case. And the the fanatical folks that, that get involved and follow them and and I follow the I follow these groups because it makes for interesting uh, conversation topics and I do you know I, sometimes I like to kind of verbally rumble with them uh, on Facebook. It's it's uh, entertaining, but they're they're super fanatical and they're very much misinformed. And so that that could Don made a good point that it could amplify their commitment to this cause of being a pro wolf advocate and keeping these wolves on the on the uh, endangered species uh, list and 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 that that could be problematic. But I think that aside, I think this is going to be it, it was a right decision to make, um, and I think it's going to be long term wise, uh, it's going to be beneficial to to those of us who have been fighting against this uh, listing of wolves. And the reintroduction of wolves and, and trying to get these wolves under control in areas where we are able to manage them ourselves as hunters and trappers. So anyway, we'll see how that plays out. And uh, yeah, so that said, guys, let's just go ahead and jump right into this with Don. Uh, let me know what you think of this episode. And uh, the next time I talk to you guys, I will be 40 years old. Can you believe it? I don't even know what happened. I was just 20, like 10, 10 minutes ago, and uh, I'm turning 40 this week, or actually a week from today, uh, from when I'm when I'm releasing this. And uh, yeah, don't know how I feel about it. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I just haven't had enough hunting seasons yet. <laughs> and so, hey, let's get into it with Don, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Um, hey, if, if you got a free minute and want to write the show a good review, by the way, I, I'd sure appreciate that. And uh, other than that, guys, thanks a bunch. We'll talk to you next week. Here we go with Don. Just a quick shout-out to my pals down at Huntsman's Goldens. Down in southeast Idaho, Justin Huntsman is a great hunter. No relation. Keep tracking. Guys, on the line today, I've got Don Ebert, one of the commissioners of the Idaho Fish and Game, and uh, he's down in Weeipe, Idaho. The Clearwater region is uh, where he's a commissioner for, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to get him on the show and and talk about kind of the process of the commission and how decisions are made and and get a little bit about Don's story and and, uh, just have a good all-around, good old-fashioned Idaho hunting conversation. So, um, Don, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Jim. So, have you uh, have you ever been on a podcast before? No, I haven't. I want to kind of, uh, as I just mentioned, I want to talk a lot about the process and some of the issues that we face in Idaho, and and um, just kind of, you know, we'll just kind of see where this goes. I don't really have a, a I, I stopped making real formal plans on these conversations, and they end up being a lot better. So. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Can we start with a little bit? Uh, give us give, give us a little bit of your background and and who you are and where you're from and and we'll we'll take it from there. Okay, sounds good. Um, I'm Don Ebert, as you just said. I live in Weeipe, Idaho. Lived here 58 years. 
and I'm 58, so I'm about as native Idahoan as you can get. Yeah. Um, I own a little grocery store here, Mary Ann's Groceries, and I've lived and worked here my whole life, hunted. I'm just a regular common person, and I was a county commissioner for 16 years, school board for 10, stuff like that. I've, I've done a lot of public service stuff. Um, I have a good life. I'm thankful, and and I just try to do what I can to, you know, contribute to society. And yeah, you do kind I'm of have down this. To earth. You do have this uh, the, this service oriented life because, like you said, you've been on the school board. You were a county commissioner uh, for Clearwater County, and and now you find yourself on the on the commissioner board of of the Idaho Fish and Game. Um, and you're, you're also a really talented photographer because you and I are Facebook friends and you post a lot of those pictures and how'd, how'd you get into photography? Oh, I've always kind of liked photography and, you know, I've taken a lot of pictures, but, uh, about a year or so ago, I decided I was going to get a good camera and I just go out and take lots of pictures and I, I take pictures of what I see that interests me. And I'll have my camera around my neck, and people will say, what are you taking pictures of? And I just say, well, whatever I see, you know. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, is I had no idea that people like my pictures a lot. And what's particularly rewarding to me is I've had a lot of people, particularly older folks, who say, you know, I can't get out like I used to, and I really enjoy looking at your pictures. And, you know, that just revs me up and... Wants, helps me want to go take more because people enjoy them and mm-hmm. I love taking them so it works good and it relaxes me you know it just calms me down and yeah. so I love it I love pictures yeah that's a good point it's it's one of those things there's there's a lot of satisfaction in getting a good image like that and and uh, we were talking before I hit record there you're you're in a great area for it, uh, down in down in Weipe, Idaho, and we have we have like a mutual friend from Weipe, uh, Dirk and his family. Uh, Dirk Durham, the bugler, is is uh, from your neck of the woods. Yeah, I've known Dirk well since he was born, I guess. And I was pretty good friends with his brother, and yeah, you know, yeah. Dirk. Yeah, he's just a he's still just a kid to me. <laughs> I guess we all get older. Yeah, they uh, the years tick by, man. That's for sure. So um, now, how how did you come about? How did the whole becoming a commissioner for the Idaho Fishing Game? How did that come about? Well, I, honestly, I had never really thought about being a fishing game commissioner. In fact, when I was done being a county commissioner, I kind of said, "I'm I'm I've done enough. I'm done." But then the position came open, and I had. Several people get a hold of me and say, you know, we think you'd be pretty good at it. And so I thought, well, what the heck? I'll throw my hat in the ring. And and then I kind of got, I thought, you know, this would be pretty cool. Um, it's a governor appointment, so it's an honor. And I, I said, yeah, I'm in. I'll try it. And yeah. I'll be darned if he didn't choose me. And um, when I got to thinking about it quite a bit more, I think I can, I think I can do pretty good because, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a local guy i have a business degree i have my own business and i think that uh i bring a you know the business perspective to fish and game and also one of the things i've always believed in is you know people need to have a better voice just common people who are out in the field the hunters and 
you know, just folks that maybe aren't always heard. And they thought, mm-hmm. you know, I think I could, I think I could do some good here. So yeah, um, it's super, I decided I'd try it. It's a super interesting situation. And, and we're going to get into this because I think that there is a, and just based on, you know, if you get on social media and all, all these other uh, outlets where, where people are, are commenting and things, you, you kind of realize the major disconnect that seems to be in place between, you know, a lot of average hunters that may, may not understand the process of how rules are made and how rules are changed and, and how the fishing game operates and who, who enforces that and who decides this and that. And so uh, that's why I think this is going to be a really good conversation. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of it is just, like you said, a disconnect. And I hope I'm approachable enough that people can hear what I have to say and, and understand maybe. I'll tell you, it's way more complicated than most anybody could imagine. And, yeah, I, I've um, gathered that. <laughs> you know, and so, yeah, it's it's way complicated. And, and some people just, you know, they just kind of start talking about how, fishing game does everything wrong and it's like well really what's going on here is you just don't understand what fishing game's up against mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I hope i can i hope i can alleviate some of that and if there's places fishing game needs to step up and change great uh, you know we'll look at everything but mostly i think i just wish people understood what what takes place and how it has to happen yeah, exactly. I think that's super important because I, I, I've seen it. I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody make a comment on on one issue. It doesn't matter what the issue is, and and they're blaming fish and game where fish and game does not necessarily deserve the blame there. And uh, like, well, we'll we'll get into that down the road. But that that's that's what I really hope to clear up. And I want uh, it just hopefully listeners are going to come out of this episode with a little bit more clarity, uh, at least for the state of Idaho. I know we've got so we've got listeners all over the country, and uh, uh-huh. I, I would assume that you know a lot of states operate fairly similarly. Uh, to to the method that that Idaho does in terms of wildlife management, but the, but the one thing that I really like about uh, the Idaho fishing game and and the way is is I guess uh, let me take a step backwards the the management philosophy in the state of Idaho is hunting. That's how that is how it has been determined that we're gonna we're gonna manage our wildlife through hunting. And the director was very clear. Uh, and, and I had the director of Idaho Fishing Game on, uh, I don't know, six or seven months ago. And he was, he was very clear about that uh-huh. point. And, and that actually really opened my eyes to, as to, you know, that it, it closes off other options in terms of this is how we manage our wildlife. There are no outside factors. There's not some advocacy group in Idaho, uh, making rules that the fishing game is going to have to come up with. There's no other, process of of managing our wildlife outside of hunting which eliminates a lot of uh some of the distractions that can take place in wildlife management that are that are really founded in in misguided beliefs and misconceptions and stuff especially from outsiders from outside of the state so i was really happy to hear that director oh, Freeber was really clear about that and, and uh, i i think we've got a great director that's that's my personal opinion and and uh, so far the 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 whole board the commissioner board has been um, everybody just seems to perform and it's, and, and I'm speaking to those in Idaho that maybe a little bit have been disgruntled with the Idaho fishing game 
I would encourage you to look into how some of these wildlife management systems take place in other states and compare it back to Idaho because we have it pretty good here. Oh, I, I would think so. You know, and it's Idaho. We hunt and fish, and, and I'll defend that. You know, I think any of us would, but, that's, you know, we hunt and fish, and that's what we believe in, and that's how we live, and, and that's the way it's going to be, and, and it's good. I mean, it's been good for a lot of us, you know. Yeah. It's Idaho. We, this is, this we hunt Idaho. and fish. We enjoy the outdoors. We, we live here because we like it here. Um, we like what it has to offer. And, uh, you know, outside people who, you know, anti-hunting or anti-trapping or whatever, it's like, you know, get over it because we've been doing <laughs> this here a really long time. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, who, it's who we are. It's who we are. You know, don't try to change who we are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that that is one thing that we need to really focus on over the coming years because we do have a growing population here in the state of Idaho. And a lot of the, the, the people that are coming here, they don't have a background in hunting. They don't understand hunting. They don't understand wild game meat and, and wildlife management systems that, that evolve around the hunting and trapping industry. And so I think that's going to be something we're, we're definitely going to want to be paying attention to. Um, and, and Don, how long have you been a commissioner now? Because you're, you're one of the newer commissioners. Oh, six months or so. I'm just a newbie. So some yeah. of the stuff I tell you about process will be a 30,000-foot view. And that, you know? that, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, and and yeah. when when you first joined the commission and, and you became you became a commissioner, like, what what would you say is was the biggest surprise to you as to how the process works? Well, um, it was a pleasant surprise, I would say. But the biggest surprise for me is how on the ball fishing game really is and how complicated this is and how many, how many things they have to deal with and how professional they are. And it's like, my God, I'm pleasantly surprised. You know, people, people don't go into wildlife for any other reason than that's what they like. It's their passion, you know, Mm -hmm. and you go be a wildlife biologist or whatever, whatever it is you become and you dedicate your life to it. And, you know, these people are, honestly are quite impressive. You know, I got to say, well, that's good to hear. Uh, and, and I, I would concur with that from, you know, uh, an outsider's opinion, so to speak. But I, I imagine it's just a tough place to be, whether you're, you work for the Idaho fishing game as a biologist or, uh, you know, you're, you're somebody like director Shriver or you're, you're a commissioner, you know, what, whatever facet that you're involved with, with the Idaho fishing game. The challenge is, is again, Idaho manages through hunting and, I don't right. know that there's more of an opinionated group of folks out there above hunters. I mean, we are very opinionated. Everybody has a take on on every little thing, and it's there's there's a hundred thousand different opinions as to how to manage mule deer and and versus whitetail and 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 what to do about wolves and uh, it's just got to be a complicated position to be in, really. Well, I think it is, and the the thing about you know, hunting is people are passionate about it, and that means a lot to them. And so, you know, they're they're uh, high high function, high level functioning people who love what they do, and and they're it affects them greatly. Because you know, I know a lot of hunters that are, my God, they live and breathe this stuff. Yeah, you know, well, you're talking important. to one right now. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's good. You know, it's a it's a good thing, and that's. Um, yeah, 
you know, people get amped up about it, especially when they don't understand what's going on. And, you know, there's some stuff that I get amped up about too. And you got to work through the process. And one thing about it, you're not going to make everybody happy. And there's things that you got to deal with that it's like, God dang, we wish, you know, we wish we could do better. But, mm-hmm. you know, population increase, lots of hunters, um, federal land, lack of active management on federal land, introduction of wolves, grizzly bears, all stuff that are beyond our control that we have to deal with that, you know, create problems and make it. I think everybody wants to hang on to, I remember how it was before, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it changes. And it's not always because of what fish and game does. Sometimes it's, you know, you just look at, Wolves and grizzly bears, and I've had people tell me, you know, fish and game wants wolves, and and I just kind of shake my head and I said, there, I maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, so this is my opinion. I said I don't think anybody hates wolves worse than fish and game. You know, it's got to make their job more complicated when we're when we're talking in the in the light of we've already got areas in Idaho where elk numbers and mule deer numbers are struggling. And, and I mean, it's just a bad time to be a mule deer anyway, but um, you know, and then we, we introduce these wolves that's out of the hands of fishing game. And that's one thing that I need, I, I think should be very clear for, because I've seen this comment a lot on social media. It was not Idaho fishing game that determined or, or decided to bring wolves to Idaho. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, so we get wolves put in here and, you know, thankfully fish and game is charged with managing them. But at the same time, they can't just say, well, we're going to go kill all the wolves, which is what some people want. I mean, you can't do that because you don't want them to be listed again. I mean, you got to kind of go middle of the road as far as what's acceptable for the Endangered Species Act and and let's get them under control, you know. Yeah. So it's I think a tough spot. The the wolf topic is a big one on my show. We we talk wolves quite often, probably too much on this on this podcast, but it it's a big topic because I mean it's it, they're complicated. They're a very cunning animal. They're they're very smart. They're prolific oh, yeah. breeders. All these all these things that we talk about all the time, but and I, I think that, you know, for me, I've had frustrations with Idaho fishing game and, and in terms of the wolves, just because I feel like that we as as trappers and hunters and, the, and these people out here that we now have the ability to manage the wolves. We now have a lot of tags available, which is thankful to the Idaho fishing game. They, they've been very liberal with with uh, tag allotment and, and and the amount of tags each hunter or trapper can have has gone up dramatically, and that's yeah. that's a good thing. And uh, but there's Absolutely. at some point we we do feel like man, you know, these wolves hunting these wolves are are next to impossible. Uh, I'm a I'm a pretty decent hunter, and I cannot freaking get a wolf. <laughs> but you know, it's the trappers that get that that take care of wolves and. Uh, right. You know, I know, I know that there's been some help from the Idaho Fishing Game with associations like the Foundation for Wildlife Management, funding-wise, uh, and things like that. And I, I just sometimes I feel like it's it's come a little bit too slow, and and that has been one of my complaints with the Idaho. And I'm a fan of the Idaho Fishing Game, but that doesn't mean that I agree with everything. You know, and and, and that that's just going to be with everybody. Um, what, right now on the table, like, what is the discussion amongst commissioners in the fishing game? What, what's the atmosphere like when it, when we're talking wolves? 
Well, I think we're pretty well all on the same page. A little background on, now this is just my personal opinion, but you know, the, the Endangered Species Act, and you get something that's listed as threatened or endangered, and so then you have wolves, and it's a federal government thing, and um, so they get listed to save the species, on and on and on. Well, the big problem in my mind is, when it's time to delist them, there's too many outside, you know, outside groups that sue and obstruct and keep the process from working. So what happened with wolves is they didn't get delisted until there's like a hundred times too many of them. Yeah. And so that's, that's why everybody hates that stuff. I mean, if it actually worked as it was intended and there weren't so many obstructionists and, you know, maybe we'd have a better chance of dealing with it properly, but whatever the case may be, wolves were not delisted when they should have been, in my opinion, there's about a hundred times too many of them. And finally it was a congressional action that delisted them. And, um, so they got delisted and then we're able to manage them. Now there's issues, but for one, how many of them are there? You know, how, they, yeah. how in the world do you count all the wolves? I think we all know there's too many. Um, and mm -hmm. I think the, I think the climate among the commissioners is yes, there's too many. We need to get rid of them, but we also have to take a stance that's defendable. You know, it has to be methodical and it has to be based in science and fact. And how many can we get rid of? So is you know, there have some? Is there active? Is there an active effort to, uh, you know, gather the facts and the research and the science? Uh, you know, beyond Absolutely. like hunters like me that know I can go into, let's say, Unit 10, for example, and know that there are no elk left there uh, in comparison right. to 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, right now, Fishing Game's working on the what they call population estimate. The population estimate for 2020 and to establish whether the population trend is increasing or decreasing. Mm -hmm. I know that Fishing Game has upped the harvest, the how many of them are killed, and I think Fish and Game even killed some themselves. And so we got to find the balance where it is that we decrease the population because, you know, if it's still increasing, we didn't, we're not doing enough. We need to yeah. decrease it. Yeah, it's um, still, I, I mean, I think we're headed there. I, th I think we're getting I think close. We're headed there. I think we're, we're getting close, well, and, and a lot of that is thanks to our trappers out there that are actually starting to trap. Uh, approximately the same amount as the pups that are born each spring, and that's that's really where the shift happens. Because up until this point, you know, here we are over 20 years after they've been reintroduced, we're just barely getting to that point where trappers are are able to get as many wolves that are born each year, and and hopefully we can start getting that number down. Because it's I I and obviously I have strong strong opinions on this, uh, but yeah. the wolves, you know, they're yeah, wrecking the landscape. Well, yeah, absolutely. We need to we need to be able to keep the population level before we're even close to quote unquote controlling them. You know, first we got to yeah. keep up, and then we got to decrease the population. Um, but frustrating as it is, fishing game cannot take the stance of let's just wipe them all out. You know, no matter how oh, yeah. much and I, I don't think. Might I don't think any reasonable hunters are asking fishing game to take that stance uh, in in any way. I, I I think that what no. you know 
to to me we that the last estimate was more than 1500 wolves on the Idaho or, or within the state of Idaho of which stated that we could manage for 300 to 500 wolves and so we're we're three right. times as many as a maximum number and i think that it right. would uh, if if i had my druthers if i could if i can call up uh you know don over at the clearwater region Idaho fishing game and say hey commissioner Let's go ahead and get those wolves down to 500. I feel like 500 is manageable for the state of Idaho because now we have trappers that know how to trap them. Now we have hunters that know how to hunt. Right. But 1500. Yeah, and holy I think that's, cow. Yeah, that's too many. That's too many. Mm-hmm. And we need to get we need to keep moving towards decreasing the population. And I don't know anybody that disagrees with that as far as fishing game. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's what we have to do. How fast we get that done is debatable, I guess. But do you think that the the recent uh, on a national level delisting wolves uh, from the Trump administration is that going to kind of alleviate some of the outside influence that that we might see from you know these pro wolf advocate type kind of groups like like the the Center for of Biological Diversity or or whatever they're called. I don't. I've been having a heck of a time with them lately. But um, do, does that does that delisting help our cause um i think it probably will help the cause and that it's you know law of the land wolves are delisted but eh, i think they'll ramp up their efforts and i don't know how much traction they'll get because they just had a you know a big thing taken away from them as far as ammunition mm-hmm. um i don't think they're going to go away but you know now that's why i think it's important for fish and game to be right on point with Hey, we can defend what we're doing. We know we need to reduce the population. Um, we have the facts to prove it. We can stand up in court. You know, Fish and Game has a, has a, uh, lawyer from the Attorney General's office that works on endangered species stuff. I don't know how much of yeah. the time, but a lot of it. A lot of it. And, you know, Fish and Game's fighting all these battles. I mean, there's wolverines. There's grizzly bears, there's wolves, there's uh, um, Canadian or yeah, the grizzly yeah, Canadian bear. lynx. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Grizzly bears are another grizzly hot topic. bears. Oh yeah, and I can tell you that you know fish and game is working hard to to get things the way they need to be. Do you, you know? And there's so much. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, well, I get wound up about this stuff too, and you know. There's so much to it. Um, yeah. But yeah. now the thing is, well, this this grizzly bear population is different than that grizzly bear population. Even though we know there's plenty of these over here, this segment is underrepresented, so they still need to be. I mean, that stuff goes on and on and on in court. Like, you cannot believe. I know. That's what I'm worried about with yeah. grizzly bears is we're going to have, for the next 10 years, a bunch of... Uh, you know, court battles d- deciding whether or not we can delist these grizzly bears. Meanwhile, these grizzly bears population, I mean, they don't breed nearly as fast as a wolf does, but they're still, right. uh, we're getting to the point where the, the attacks on people in, in the, whether it's in the back country or I had a grizzly bear, uh, and, and people in my audience are going to start rolling their eyes because I talk about this dang grizzly bear all the time. He, I called him the Bernie Sanders bear. He, I had a grizzly bear come through my my yard here in Hayden, Idaho, and and there wow. that population is starting to grow, and uh, they're they're 
there's more attacks, there's there's more uh, encounters, and and I think that they're going to become uh, we we get to this point where they're going to be dangerous because we don't live in the America that was 150 years ago. The population's a lot bigger, no. the habitat's a lot less. There's structures like freeways and cities and uh, reservoirs and all these things that create these. Uh, you know, migratory destructive patterns or, or um, derailments of, of where they where they go and where they move and where they uh, live, and and it's gonna it's gonna create a lot of problems. And I feel like the, you know, with grizzly bears, the biggest difference is is people are gonna die from these things. I mean, they're not as cuddly as some of these pro grizzly bear folks seem to think they them and wolves are. No, absolutely, they're not. Um... And I can tell you, there's there's battles going on all the time over that stuff. So in court, mostly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I just uh, <laughs> I I haven't quite dove into the uh, the grizzly bear situation like I have the wolves, but uh, it's definitely something that I, I want to talk about a little bit more because um, <laughs> we're we're seeing a lot of them well, up here in North are- Idaho. Right now, right now, wolves are a bigger problem, but the mm-hmm. grizzly bear, I would, I would frame it up as saying potential. We need to get ahead of the potential. Yeah, let's you learn know? something from the wolves. Let's learn something from the ten years of of court litigation from the wolves and 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 what happened to our uh, other uh, specifically ungulate populations due to wolves and learn something. And and get in front of this grizzly bear situation before it turns into you know I hate to sound dramatic but the wolf situation can can be summed up as it's kind of a catastrophic situation and uh, oh absolutely you know and I I know I know a lot of folks in the in the Idaho fishing game agree with that and so I'm just worried that we're going to get there and we're going to have two problems it's going to be it's going to be grizzly bears and wolves. And um, not that grizzlies are, are as destructive on, on our elk populations, but they are destructive enough. They're very good at, at uh, you know, taking out calves during calving season. And so, yeah, that's just something I've, I've been thinking about more and more lately. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a huge potential problem. And there's a, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's the grizzly bears themselves. But then there's this little concept in the Endangered Species Act called critical habitat. And what that means is if you get something that's listed and someone identifies that this area of land is critical habitat, you're off limits for so many things. Uh, active timber, timber management, you know. Just mm, yeah, I didn't think about that. Because it's, yeah, that's a, that's huge. That's, that's almost as big as uh animals themselves you know critical habitat sure and uh you know we need to we need to stay ahead of this stuff it's a little bit frustrating because you know federal issues in idaho um but all we can do is stay at the table and just fight like hell i mean and and i don't mean fight just to be contrary i mean hey let's be reasonable about this let's just be practical common sense you know, let's do what's right and let's quit. Let's quit trying to, you know, stop the world. Anything you don't like in the world, you go to court and you sue and you get it stopped. And what a mm-hmm. bunch of nonsense! It's total nonsense. Mostly, and so is a ballot box, uh, you know, wildlife management and uh, biology or whatever the, the the popular term is for that. But you know, you get on 
you get on some of these social media sites, and and especially since the uh, you know the news came out that the Trump administration or whatever they, you know, delisted the wolves, the the gray wolf, and and when you read through the comments, man, there is just not a lot of sensibility or reasonability or common sense coming out of those people. They're just so fired up, mad, because they saw an ad. You know, two years ago about how sweet and cuddly the wolf was when, you know, he came in and licked the hand of some uh, tourist or whatever. I, I can't remember how that video was. But anyways, that's the kind of stuff that sways them. They don't understand the impact that these things have when they're out of control. And so we're just up against that all the time, I feel like. You ever go hunting with somebody that always chintzes out on like the most important thing like boots i did a couple times and you know what happened they slipped and fell down the mountain the entire month of september that's what happens when you buy hundred dollar boots and and try to make them last they don't last guys hoffman boots can't say enough good things about this company it's a great family-owned business right here in north idaho they make badass boots these things are insanely insanely comfortable they just glue your feet to the mountain in the steepest of conditions they will keep you safer because of that so while my buddies are falling on their butt the entire time i'm walking down like i'm in the park guys i have a great promo code that'll save you 15 percent if you go to hoffmanboots.com it is all caps lock huntsman 15 in the checkout when you are ready for a new pair of great boots that you won't have to replace for a very long time Guys, Scree. Scree is extreme mountain gear. They were one of the first sponsors of this podcast. And this high-performance hunting attire and gear, is it's scientifically tested camo patterns, backed by a great company, and it's got a lifetime warranty, VIP sizing, and, and, and exchange program. Basically, if you, if you order it and it's the wrong size, they pay for it to get shipped back, and they're going to send it back. I heard of some dude that accidentally ripped uh, a pair of his hard scrabble pants. And he was upset about it, and he let Scree know, and they replaced him for him. Guys, this is a great company. That's the kind of company that I am proud to have supporting this show and being partnered with them. Uh, It's just, again, a great company story and and, and a company that you guys would be proud to own the gear for. It'll get you through any season, anywhere in North America. Check it out at ScreeGear.com and use the promo code TheWesternHuntsman for 15% off and free shipping at checkout and last but by far not least phelps game calls guys phelps game calls uh you guys if you've listened to any of these episodes uh as i as i kind of dissected my last september i had so many bull elk encounters using these calls and i used everything from the pink maverick to the map or the pink amp to the maverick i used the renegade bugle tube i used a couple of their external read calls uh just had a ball calling in elk left and right hand over fist and because these calls work obviously they work well it's not just about that though Guys, Jason Phelps started this company from scratch and built it into what it is now. The company, the game call company that we all know well. And I, I just, I think that that is so important. These the, these American companies that are born out of an idea and they grow into this this thing that, that we can all get behind and love and support and the, and the personalities and the people behind it, that's Phelps Game Calls. Salt of the Earth company, salt of the earth people that run it. And I can't say enough good things about Phelps Game Calls. Don't forget, it's not just about elk with Phelps. 
you get you a, uh, a black ta- a blacktail and distress call and watch those deer come into you while they're rutting because it fires up those those does and what do you think is right behind those does during the rut november's coming make sure you're getting your deer calls as well so check it out at phelpsgamecalls.com and use the promo code huntsman10 for 10 percent off at sh- uh, checkup I keep wanting to say shipping. (laughs) That's how I roll. All right, guys, with that said, thank you to the sponsors of this show. Let's get back to the discussion. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, they probably don't want to watch the videos of that same wolf, you know, pulling a calf elk out of a cow. Yeah, yeah, Um, before it's even born. You know, they're vicious. Right. I mean, it's brutal, and... You know, one thing I notice about people who have these opinions is most of them don't live here. And no, that's kind of a pet, that's a pet peeve of mine too, because, you know, they, sometimes they act like they're the enlightened ones because they have a better understanding than the rest of us. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, we live here and we're not stupid and we have things pretty well figured out all on our own. And, you know, maybe, maybe some of these people from other places with, sometimes higher education maybe they're the ignorant ones well, maybe they, they should come and learn about us they don't they don't live you know? they don't live in they don't live in the same perspective that we do they don't live in a, the same world as as we do you know um one of the down one of the downsides with recording a podcast on my phone is it picks up the incoming calls <laughs> but sorry about that anyways <laughs> yeah, me too. that's uh, all right <laughs> But no, that's it's that's a different, world we live in. Yeah, absolutely. It's the world we live in, and it's reality we have to deal with all the time. But it, that, like you said, it's a pet peeve. Uh, I don't stick my nose no, a, into matters I don't know. You know, in California or no. Texas or Florida or somewhere, but they they feel inclined to tell us how to manage these wolves when they have no idea. They have no connection to nature. They have no connection to the wildlife here, the mountains, the lifestyle that we live, and the reality on the ground. It's really frustrating. Yeah, and that's a that's a big one. The reality on the ground. It's like okay, you, you're advocating for something you don't understand. I mean, you don't you don't see the truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you think you know the truth, but until you've been here, until you live here and deal with some of this, you don't really know the truth of what's on the ground. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you really want to do what's right in the world, you know, take some time and learn about it. Fix your own problems. And you're like, this is, this is one that really just chaps my ass. These ad- advocates and, and these activists in, in California, I, and, for the folks that listen to this show in California, I totally understand that I, I sound like I'm generalizing every Californian. I'm not. What what I am doing and saying is there is a large group of activism that is well-funded, well-connected, uh, well uh, meddling in our business in places like Idaho, Utah, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming. And, and so what I, the point I'm getting at is there is a mess in California. That's why people, the good, sensible people, are fleeing California, coming to places like Idaho, and and uh, because of the mess they're in. And my question to them is: Before you start meddling in our business with wolves and elk and grizzly bears and all these other things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis and understand, why don't you fix your right. own problems in California? Right. Sorry, right. you got me fired up there. And I- 
No, that's all right. You know, and as far as California, I don't have any interest in trying to fix their problems. And if they all want to live like that, you know, more power to them. It's not. But I ask the same. Just leave us alone. Just leave us alone. Leave us alone. I I wish they'd keep their smoke, you know, but (laughs) not much I can do about that. (laughs) You know, but I, you know, your points, your points well taken. It's like, we don't need your help. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't need your help. There's some pretty smart people here, and there's and honestly, there's people who want to do the right thing. And why is yeah. it so damn hard just to do the right thing all the time? Just do the right it's thing. Very disappointing. And, and why is it so hard to make decisions and 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 come to conclusions that are more fact based versus some emotional advertisement you saw on a on a on an anti hunting commercial on TV while watching you know Seinfeld late at night? Uh, that. We right. we are pragmatic people in the West, and and that does and I'm talking about every Western state that uh, that deals with these types of issues, uh, the, these Western hunting states that that I talk about, you know, the Pacific Northwest in and Arizona and New Mexico and Colorado and Utah and, and Wyoming and and South Dakota, these these states that we we're on the ground here, we right. you know we're good at handling this stuff on our own. In fact. Well, no, I want, you know what, one of the reasons I'm so fired up, Don, is uh, it's, it's election day tomorrow. And so I, I think uh-huh. I'm wrapped up in a lot of, a lot of this stuff where people just meddling in our, in, in our business and our, and, and think that they, they have a right to tell us how we should feel. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like trying to tell someone what their favorite color should be. Exactly. Exactly. So let's shift gears yeah. a little bit here and talk about some process. Um, I, right. I I wanted from from like kind of a basic level. Um, oh, you know what? I a good one for that would be this. There was a lot of chatter this this year about getting the rule on lighted knocks changed uh, so that hunters can use lighted knocks, you know, during during archery season. And uh, right. it, uh, it it did not get passed through. And and I'm kind of curious, what's your take on that? And what what did that process look like from your perspective? Well, that that whole thing happened before I came on board, and mm-hmm. I understand there was a petition put forward by citizens. Now I could be wrong about this, but what I understand no, is there was right. a petition put forth and. The Fish and Game Commission declined to move it forward, is my understanding. Um, okay, so on on something like that, when uh, and you're talking to a guy, I don't have a super strong opinion on lighted knocks, so I'm I'm trying to come at this from an unbiased way. Um, I, I, right. I if if they were allowed, I'd like to use them, but if they're not allowed, it's not a it's not like a you know life altering thing for me. But um, that's why this is a good topic. But so when when citizens are are big on on getting something like this changed. Uh, right. What what is the correct process for citizens to go through? Is is the petition? Is that a powerful thing to to the Idaho Commission Fish and Game Commission? Um, I believe that's the way it has to start from the citizens level. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, take a step back a little bit. You could go to the legislature and the leg- whatever the legislature puts into law trumps the Fish and Game Commission. So there's that. But that's kind of a tough role, you know. Mm-hmm. But it is possible to go that route. And I'm looking at some information I have here so I get this right. 
Um, rulemaking ideas may come from the commission, staff, or the public. It all goes to negotiated rulemaking, and one of the ways to initiate negotiated rulemaking is through the petition process. Um, but then, the way I understand it, the, you petition the Fish and Game Commission to take something forward, and they either they either move it forward or decline to move it forward. And so on that, on, I think that's. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. On that particular subject, yeah. the lighted not so. <laughs> we've got a little bit of a delay. You're here. into this, aren't you? Oh yeah. You're yeah. into this stuff, aren't you? I yeah. get excited. I get excited. I can tell. <laughs> I, oh, I can tell. I appreciate it. I appreciate the candid conversation. Yeah, you know, no. That's I, how I do best. That, that's another thing talk. that that I will I will say uh, about the Idaho Fish and Game is. Uh, everybody that I have dealt with have have been very open. They're willing to talk. I mean, I right. I am just some you know hunter up here in North Idaho that's decided to start a podcast, and the damn director uh-huh. of Idaho Fish and Game came to my studio and sat down with me, and and it, it, yeah. that's uh, you won't get that in every state. And so kudos to the Idaho Fish and Game because you guys have been very open and, and honest and I feel like uh, are willing to talk and, and explain some of this stuff. And that's that's part of the, the point with this is is to maybe bridge some gaps and, and uh, bridge some divides that, that may exist between hunters and Idaho Fish and Game because I, I know it's out there. But um, getting back to that uh, – well, oh, go ahead. I, I got to put – let me put – I got to put in a little plug for the director. Ed, he's about as approachable as anybody could ever be and – you know, he's an upfront, straight up kind of guy and and yeah. I don't think he ever has anything to try to hide. He just you know, he's got a huge responsibility, but he's approachable. I mean, I've always been able to talk to Ed and I would like to think that everyone else can too, you know. So yeah, I, I think I think Fish and Game wants to be open and have the conversation with the public and mm-hmm. you know, let's all let's all get on the same page here. Might not always agree with what Fishing game concludes, but yeah, yeah. Well, we're never. We should always be approachable. I no. think. I think it's. No, but. I think it's. It's. It's silly to think that Idaho fishing game and every hunter in the state of Idaho is always going to agree a hundred percent of the time. Um, no, no. And, and and I agree. The director is super approachable. I mean, he he came up and, well, what, and he what even is, called my dog Chubby, and my dog is Chubby. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> like I said, he's he's a, he's a straight up kind of guy. So. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, no, it was it was yeah. fantastic. So that's that's just a, a a good plug for for everybody that's that's involved with the Idaho fishing game because I, I that is not I know for a fact that it is not the case that uh, fishing game or parks and wildlife or DWR you know whatever they are uh, are not always as open as Idaho fishing game is and 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 open to discussion as well. So uh, I, I appreciate that for sure. Um, Okay. Well, I'll give I'll, another. I'll give another little shameless plug too. Is it's like that's you know perhaps that's a reflection of our governor because I know he's like that. He's very approachable. He's a good man, and I and I believe you know we are of the administrative branch, so yeah. know, we're under the governor part of it. And and I think Governor Little is a you know very open and honest and straight up guy and. And I think it goes to fish on fishing game right on down, you know. And that's that's sure. uh, I agree. That's how it should be. So you know, I sent the governor a hat, and I still haven't seen him wearing it yet. So uh, is that right? If you could give him a little nudge for me next time he does a press okay, conference. Okay. Well, what's the, 
What's the, what's the hat say on it? It says a Western Huntsman podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Pretty sad. I, I might have to send you one. I think he's kind of busy, but I'll see if he'll take my call, okay? How's that? <laughs> I'm totally kidding. It's no big deal. Um, yeah. All right. Getting getting back to um, this lighted knock topic is uh, – Well, it came, through, it came through citizen petition. It was denied – by fishing game to be moved forward. That's what it was. Um, How? Why was I'm, I'm, why was that denied? Why, why did that get denied? Um, and that I, I can't really tell you. Like I said, that was before I came on board, and I haven't really looked into it all that much. I can tell you at first glance. I can, you know, as far as I'm concerned, why not? And that's and I say that with the caveat that there's always more to it than what you understand. So yeah, there there's is. probably reasons I'm not aware of. Now, I don't know why they denied it, honestly, but I'm sure they did have a reason. I can tell you that. Wh- whether I would agree with that reason or not, I don't know. But well, that's I'm fine, trying you know? to I'm trying to remember because uh, because I read it at the time and I, I just it it, it, it only kind of half made sense. But I, I know it has something to do with you know the 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 attempt of the Idaho fishing game to keep things as primitive as possible when it's a primitive season like an archery season and and so any kind of electronic device kind of thing. Um, is, you know, but, but sometimes I feel like they take, maybe they take that a little too far. For example, like I understand having, uh, laser battery powered range finding scopes mounted to your rifle, but, uh, I, I, I have a regular scope, but I cannot put my Tacticam camera to film through my scope because of that rule. And it's like a language thing. If they just change the language, um, it gives me no advantage, you know, it, those kind of things, right? Folks that, that want a rule change or folks that want to, to see something happen like lighted knocks or, or being able to film through the scope or film with a mounted camera on your bow or whatever. Uh, they start a petition and right. f- from that point, the, what, what happens? Like the commission gets together and they all kind of look at the petition, look at how many names are on it and how it was written and all that kind of stuff and discuss it. Oh yeah. There, there would be arguments for and against, you know, and, um, obviously there would need to be other efforts as well. Like, you know, come to a fishing game meeting and make your case. There's pub, there's opportunity for public comments. Uh, I think most every meeting, um, call the commissioners individually. Of course, we can't deliberate outside of a meeting, but you can call each one of us mm-hmm. and try to make your case and get as many people as you can and figure out what the arguments are going to be against it and try to alleviate those concerns. And, you know, the more effort, the better. But, yeah, more, basically just go and talk to the Fish and Game Commission. And I can tell you that, you know, they're, they're a bunch of great guys, too. I mean, I'd like to think me included, but the, the Fishing Game Commission, they're just regular guys like you and I, and they're reasonable people. And I honestly believe that every one of them wants to do what they believe is right, you know? So is, is, again, there like, is there like a magic number of signatures on a petition that kind of raises eyebrows and makes, makes the commissioners think, oh, boy, we better really pay attention to this because look at all these signatures? Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I think more signatures would probably help, but I think arguments, you know, reasonable arguments, they would carry more weight. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the more, the more signatures, the better. I mean, if you bring a petition with 
just to choose a number, 20,000 signatures. be pretty hard to ignore that. But, you know, petitions are reflective of the will of the citizens to some degree, you know. Let's, um, on that topic, if some uh, anti-hunting, pro-wolf, pro-grizzly kind of organization managed to get this petition going to, and, and I know this is super extreme, won't ever happen, but to ban wolf trapping in Idaho. And they had a million signatures and 950,000 of them were from out-of-staters. Is there a way to determine that? Like, we know that that's, that that's not Idaho talking kind of thing. I, I don't, for some reason, that always bothers me. I believe on the petition, and this might, you know, I don't know if I'm 100% correct about this, but I believe you have to have your name and address. And uh, it, I think hmm. it, I think I, it has a great impact. Okay, go ahead. Oh well, I I've signed I, I've signed petitions and it didn't ask me that, but maybe those ones were not legitimate and legitimately going to the, the okay, Idaho I, fishing game because yeah. I, I don't know I don't know. I could I could be wrong about that, but I do know that when something goes to negotiated rulemaking, there's people you have an opportunity for input. And I know fishing game does chalk that up by resident and non-resident. What kind um, of? However, they do that. When fishing game is is having these meetings and these conversations, do you have, I guess, designated speakers or whatever from some of these some of these organizations that uh, are are really not um, rooted in Idaho come and 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 try to convince an argument one way or the other? I really haven't heard any, but like I said, I've been here a short time. I've been to like three meetings. And I, I really haven't noticed that, but I do know that there's some Idaho citizens who come forward and some of them are very well respected and listened to, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, trappers, uh, outfitters and guides, you know, those, those groups carry quite a bit of weight, I believe. Just a, just a curiosity question, uh, just for, for conversation's sake. You know, in, in the state of Idaho, we've got archery hunters, we've got muzzleloader hunters, we've got rifle hunters, we've got primitive archery hunters, uh, you know, traditional bow, uh, we've got trappers, we've got houndsmen, we've got, um, I know I'm missing some, bear baiters versus, you know, uh, spot and stalk. Um, is there is there one of those groups that is particularly more aggressive or active or vocal at, at these meetings? Well, from what I've seen, the, the trappers... Idaho Trappers Association is pretty active. Oh man, um, you got to deal with. I, you probably have to deal with Rusty Kramer, don't you? Yeah, we do. <laughs> Rusty's <laughs> been on the show. He's a good. He's a good pal of mine. He's uh, if we were. Well, I can tell you. Uh, I can tell you, he's very well respected. Um, yeah, and, he should be. And like I said, I. Well, and I just came on a while ago, but I can tell you that he's worked at it and he's put in the time and he does his due diligence and i can tell you he's very well respected yeah. because of the relationships you know yeah I, I think he's probably got a long-term relationship of trust and you know you don't that doesn't mean you have to sugarcoat everything it means you can agree but i mean you, you can disagree respectfully but you know things like that um he came forward with some things and i can't tell you exactly what they were but the trappers wanted to limit themselves to boost their credibility and he brought it forward and huh. you know interesting the, yeah the man he has a great deal of respect i can tell you that 
No, that's fantastic, and, 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 and I tell you what, the trappers need somebody like Rusty. They've got a lot of obstacles uh, because trapping is one of those things that just brings out some wild emotions from folks that don't understand it, <laughs> for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. And you take somebody, you take somebody that has a good reputation with you, you know, and they come and they have something to say to you, and it's like, uh, well, my history with you is that you're a no nonsense kind of guy. You're not BSing me. You're not, you know, you're not a backstabber or anything like that. You're just up front. You're credible. Um, that's that helps a bunch. Yeah, I can tell you. Good, good. That's good to know. Uh, and, and like yeah. as as we're going forward, uh, there went my phone again. You know, we're we're coming up to the year 2021. What what are some big kind of priority issues that Idaho Fishing Game is going to focus on next year? Because because this last year well, was a big well, year. You guys, uh, the the price increase for non-residents and and dispersing non-residents into more units. You know, kind of limiting so there you don't have 10,000 residents in one little unit kind of thing. Um, I, I think right. those were, those were big, uh, the, the, the increased hunting season or trapping seasons and, and tags allotted to, uh, to, to wolf hunting and trapping. Uh, the, these were big right. things and, and, uh, what, what's coming up? What, what are big issues? Well, um, the legislature through rulemaking gave fish and game the authority to limit non-resident tags. And I think that's going to be a big thing. And uh, wolves, of course, is always a big thing. But, uh, you know, getting the proper data, I think, is huge right now in fishing game. You know, get get facts and be able to defend them. And then, you know, I know they're working awful hard on that. Um, overcrowding is a big concern. That's why the, the limit on resident, non, excuse me, non-resident, tags um i think those are really the big ones now the tag then the amount of non-resident tags that didn't go down right it just kind of dispersed them into other units just limited per unit it can go down in every unit except now that here's the complicated stuff okay i was looking at some information and the 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 rule actually says there's two kinds of things there's rules and there's laws Laws are Idaho statutes that are on the book. Rules are the legislature had to bless these rules, and therefore they have the same effect as law. The last few years, the legislature hasn't been able to agree on the rules. Therefore, they didn't get adopted, which gives the governor temporary rulemaking authority. Okay? And that's kind of where we're at. But now Fish and Game has the authority to limit non-resident tags, but what it says is no less than 10%, okay? Mm-hmm. No less than 10%. Well, there are situations where right now non-residents are less than 10%. So if you limit those areas, you're actually going to increase the number of tags available. And people are going to look at that, and they're going to come unhinged. And yeah. it's like, well, <laughs> it's that's what the law says. Um, so so the, there's stuff like that. The the law basically states, and this is a temporary thing. Or, or it's is, a temporary rule. 
temporary, temporary rule, rule, and it states there cannot be less than 10% non-residents or resident tags available in a particular right, unit? Correct. Gotcha. To my understanding, yeah. What? Which, when there's a place, if there's a place that's got like 25 or 30% non-residents, well, you can limit cases it is you know it's intended to be a limit but i was just trying to point out some of the complexities of yeah why do you do this stuff it's like well because here's what the rules say and um there's there's controlled hunts which have a different threshold and there's unlimited i mean it's it's mind-boggling what those people have to figure out. But I know that it was identified as a problem, hunter overcrowding. So there is effort to reduce non-residents. Okay. Um, Yeah. I think that was important and justified for sure, because there's some of these units are just getting hammered by, by non-residents. Well, and the thing is, the thing is too, though, to speak to what you're talking about earlier, that started from citizens. Mm-hmm. That's a citizen, you know. So there was like a, a petition said, started. Hey. No, I think I don't think it was a petition per se. I think it was a uh, surveys. You know, they they do all these annoying surveys that they keep calling you until you answer the questions. <laughs> they're and, they're not. You know, those they're are almost useful. as bad as the car warranty people. But uh, I, I'm actually more than happy to answer those ones. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we should be because that information is actually used and. Mm-hmm. It was identified. It was identified that the concern with overcrowding, and that put into motion a whole bunch of stuff like the increase in the non-resident tag fees, and now the limit. Both will decide in November, so it's a potential limit to non-resident tags, and uh, you know that all started from citizens. So you know people are heard. They really are. Yeah, I, I think. It just, it, yeah, it's painfully and, slow. And my my gripe with it is, I feel like we could have we could have gone a little more than. I mean, that wasn't that big of an increase on non-resident tags. I feel like we could have done a little bit better on that. But the, again, y- the fishing game is not always going to make Jim the host of the the podcast happy, right? I mean, it's it's never it's it's never going to uh, be a hundred percent for everybody. Uh, but it's such a well, nuanced I, I, thing too. Go ahead. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love, I'd love to make you happy. <laughs> but I <laughs> yeah, can tell oh, you, I'm, okay, I'm sure here's that, another thing. The, the, the here's entire... another thing people don't understand. Fishing game does not set the fees. Legislature does. So they're the Fishing ones we need game to talk to not... about that. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I actually did know that, so I don't know what I was thinking, but. Um... But you were testing, you were just testing me. That's all. Maybe that was it. I was testing you for that one. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like they could have, they, they could have gone a little higher on those fees and eliminated non-residents in the panhandle zone and killed all the wolves up here. And then I'd be happy. Oh, we'll shoot for that. (laughs) I don't know if we're going to get there. (laughs) Yeah. You'll have to compromise. No, it's, it's super nuanced though. It, It really is because there's, there's so many different parts of Idaho with, with different areas and units and regions and, and, and the, like things get affected differently. Like for, for example, in the panhandle, uh, you know, we, we get inundated 
by folks from uh, Spokane, Washington, right next door coming over, right? Uh, because we're right. close. It's yeah. close. And our hunting season here is it's worth it for them to buy a non-resident tag and come hunt Idaho because their their uh, their their rules and and the laws on in the state of Washington um, gosh you almost have to go get a college degree on it they're super frustrating to to understand and I know because I I've hunted Washington and so yeah it's, it's Washington uh, and, it's, and we're Idaho so they exactly come yeah yeah so they have longer seasons they're they're easier to interpret what the rules and laws are and all this stuff and so. Uh, we get we just get hammered by by Spokane residents, and I'm not I'm not complaining uh, at, at Spokane residents at, at all. I don't blame them, um, but that that's what I'm talking about. Like people in, uh, you know, maybe maybe Weipe or Grangeville or or uh, you know those some of those areas, they they don't have that particular problem, but they have something else they're dealing with. And so, how do you balance all that as a fish and game agency, and and you know try to make everybody happy? It's it's got to be super difficult. Well, it's very difficult. You know, the people I've heard from from Washington come here because it's almost impossible to be able to hunt in Washington. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, that's that's absolutely what we do not want to happen here. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I feel that way. Because I know people who live in my small little town here, uh, rural. Some of them don't have the best means, and they actually go out and hunt so they can eat the meat. And yeah, they depend on that's it. That's different. They depend on it. And, I, and I mean, people kind of take that tongue in cheek, but I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, I see it. I see it. Well, I know I, there's people. I, I have, I have lived that. I, and I, you know, I'm not at that stage in my life anymore, but I mean, there are times when, uh, if, if I was to have a meal, I'd have to go fishing. And, and, and that's how I was, I was one of the poorest 25 to 30 year olds you'll ever meet in your life uh and 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 that was a, a lot of that was my fault but um I, I i have legitimately hunted and fished for food there was there was one winter uh, i i don't know how i would have made it had i not gotten that deer that year because that's that's literally well, when I, was a, I had yeah when i was a younger man and i was you know working had two kids um we ate wild meat i mean it wasn't Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. Oh my God! I want to go out and kill something. It's like, no, we need food, you know. Yeah, the, and, and that's what that's what we did for a lot of people. And I think that's why the non-resident issue can sometimes get so heated because there are a lot of people that this this is not a game. This is not a hobby for them. This is what they do. They go out and they have to stock that freezer up because they've got hungry mouths to feed at home, and that's 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 how they can afford to do it. Uh, or they live, they live three hours from the closest grocery store or, or whatever. And so when, when their unit that they're nor that they, they've been hunting their entire life, all of a sudden is inundated with non-residents and, and it chases all the game out and compound that with the wolf issue and compound that with the grizzly bears and, you know, non-residents on every ridge. Um, that's, I think why that, that issue gets so heated and so frustrated really, really fast because these people, there, there are people that, uh, you know, it's, there, there's two ways to look at it. There's, there's people that legitimately, uh, depend on the wild game meat and, and they, they need that meat. They, they don't hunt out of, uh, because they think it's a fun Saturday pastime that that's a necessity. And then there's other folks that, um, you know, I, I, very, I make the joke often with my wife because she'll give me a hard time if I'm hunting too much. Uh, you know, like in, like in September, I spent a lot of days in the field 
and and she'll start kind of giving me a hard time about it. Well, you know, uh, I need this done around the house, but you're always hunting, and well, and I joke with her, and I'll say, well, we got to make it through the winter. I got to fill that freezer, babe. What are you talking about? You know, and and for us, that's just a joke. Yeah. We laugh. You know, we we have a grocery yeah, store sure. right down the road, but but for some people, that's not a joke. That's serious business, and that that's why. Um, if, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so that, that non-resident issue does become, and then there's the other side where I, I think a lot of people like to use the non-resident thing as an excuse as to why they didn't tag out. And, and, uh, you can always kind of sniff yeah. those guys out. Yeah. Well, there's, there's that too, but you know, it's all about balance. But I think, I think, you know, people, people who are residents that hunt because let's just call it tradition. Let's call it, uh, you know, custom and culture. Mm-hmm. whether it's for food or not. I mean, I know for a lot of us, there's no question, for a lot of us, hunting has provided food first. Absolutely. Fun second. Yep. And, you know, to me, that's kind of the root of what it is we should be trying to protect, you know. Obviously, now there's a lot of people who hunt for family activity and sport and outdoors stuff, and that's fine too, you know. I think it's good for the soul to get out, but... That's, no, the about That's the beauty yeah, of hunting. That's the beauty of hunting. Is is hunting is is exactly it's not just food for the freezer. It really is food for the soul. And I don't care how cheesy that sounds. I I don't hunt out of necessity anymore. I used to, but I I don't do it out of necessity yeah. uh, for for the food aspect. But I do have a necessity in my soul to go hunting because we're humans. Well, do, we're yeah, men. It's just this a primal is, thing. Yeah. It's a primal thing. It goes back generations. It is, and you know, every single person that hears you say that, that is a hunter, will understand exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah. I hear you say that, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And there's people in the world who will kind of look and say, huh, what? Well, they don't get it. You know, they don't yeah, get they it. Don't. Maybe they should come and try it. They don't understand it because they they've never had that kind of connection, and it's it's not about it's not about killing an animal. It's about being connected and no. and, and being uh, you know a part of something bigger than yourself. This ecosystem and 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 being able to provide for your family and and having this this extremely challenging thing all come together in in a split second, and all of a sudden you're notching a tag, and and that's the the, the gratification that comes out that out of that is. The the only the only other way you can match that, in my opinion, is is by you know being uh, a father and a husband and and these things as as uh, because it's just unmatched. The feeling is unmatched. Right, and I, you know I don't know any other way to I don't know any other better way to be connected with however you want to say it, Mother Earth or nature or yeah whatever that that's the connection you know, and if you can sit there for an hour, hour and a half, and your fingers are starting to get numb, and you're excited because you hear a twig break, you know? Yeah. Then you get it. And that twig um, breaking can either end up breaking your heart like it did me this year, or it could be uh, the the difference between a full freezer and an empty freezer. So <laughs> uh, yeah. it's, it's a great yeah, thing. It's, so It's a great feeling. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like, oh, my God, talk about being grounded. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the twig yep. snap thing is super personal to me because I I had a twig snap on me this this last September while archery hunting after I'd been doing some cow calling, and I didn't take it serious serious enough, Don. I, I I came around some trees that was blocking my view, and there, not 30 yards from me, 
was a big drop tine bull staring right at me and he busted me coming out between those trees and, and blew off that mountain so fast my head was spinning. But, uh, so <laughs> the, the snap twig gets me. That's, that's the only reason I knew something was there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that stuff. Yep. That's, that's what makes the world go around for, uh, for me up here. So, uh, yeah. You no, know, and here's, a, here's another, I'll just share this with you too. And it's kind of a silly little thing, but I was sitting there and, back in the woods, you know, back in the trees. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there, and just, I sit there for an hour or two sometimes, maybe three. And this, this bunch of little birds came along and they just hopped right over. You know, they just went all around me and they didn't even know I was there. And it was, you know, obviously I'm not hunting the little birds, but it's like, yeah. I am a part of nature right now. You know, I'm, I'm part of it. And yeah. they just, it's like, oh my God. That's the kind yeah. of moment. That, that's the kind of moment that these people that want to meddle in our lives in Idaho from these big, huge metro areas uh, in other parts of the country, I'm going to stop picking on California, will never experience. They, no. They don't, no you, that's what they you, don't understand. Well, they don't understand, and, they don't, and I think a lot of the times they just have totally the wrong idea about us. And when you're sitting there and you, all of a sudden here comes an owl and you, you did not hear that owl, and pretty soon he's landing in front of you, and he's way more successful than you because he just got a gopher or whatever he's after. It's like, wow, he just scored, and I didn't. But yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's my amazing. God. Amazing. Yeah, some of the most amazing experiences are, are hunting and seeing. An owl is always an exciting one. Ah, they're so yeah. eerie, yeah. you know, and, and just yeah, majestic. Just, and I don't know. They're, they're super cool. I've got the coolest picture. And patient. Yeah, they are. They are. They're super. You can learn a lot from an owl and the way they hunt. But I've got the coolest picture of this this owl perched in this tree, and I don't know exactly what kind of owl. I'm not really an expert with that. But I, I was hunting elk, and he just sat sat in that tree and was almost the exact same color as the bark of that tree. And the only reason I knew he was oh, yeah. there is because he kind of turned his head. And I got the coolest picture. Yeah. I, I had to send that to you. I'll dig it out and send it to you. It's a cool picture. Yeah, yeah. We'd like to all see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. No, this has been a great conversation, Don. Um, I think, uh, you know, we, we touched on a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I kind of, I do want to touch on a lot more of the process stuff. Uh, is there, what else is there uh, along the process lines? Do you think that, that hunters, in your opinion, maybe misinterpret or have a misconception about how the process of, of rule changes or tag allotment or, uh, you know, anything hunting related that, that people get fired up about, which is a very, very wide topic. I know, uh, yeah. is, is there, is there something else you like a misconception, you know, of that you'd want to clear up? Well, the, I think everybody should understand that it takes a year and a half or two years to implement a new rule year and a half or two years. Um, Man. that's an incredible long time. So that yeah. means I'm going to, I'm still going to have non-resident hunters in my unit next year. Cause we're making the call to boot them out, right? No, no, no. That's already <laughs> been through rulemaking. No, I'm no. kidding. No, yeah, I know. I know that one is that, that was done. <laughs> well, don't get about stuff like that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to keep you on your toes, Don. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're doing good at that. No, it, it, it takes like a year and a half and, uh, you know, being having elected positions while I was a commissioner, I used to have a saying, it's like to get what you want, you have to want the same thing for a long time. That's a and good that's way to true look at it. with rulemaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, it takes time. 
And and another thing I wish people understood is that, you know, fishing game, what fishing game can do is limited. The legislature makes certain laws, there's rules, and then there's what we can do. We can only do what the legislature has said we can do, mm-hmm. you know, and that's yeah. very important. But, um, and I, I would say if somebody's really fired up about something, call one of us and try to try to learn about it and understand it. Maybe you can help, you know, I yeah. know that um, they can definitely reach out to me and, and I can help point them in the right direction, but it's, it's really easy. If you, if you just get on yep. the Idaho fishing game website and go to the about tab and click or go down, scroll down to where it says commission members, click on that. And all the commissioners are up there and their emails are right there. Right. Yeah. Please, please don't call screaming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't scream. Yeah, except this, for this. except for the Salmon River uh, or region. Uh, Ron doesn't have his email address on there yet. Yeah, he was disappointed. Like what, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Good deal. Yeah, they'll get they'll get it there. They'll get it up there. But you know, even I, I say that jokingly. Don't call up screaming. But you know what? Even people who are upset and yell at me for a while, I still listen to them just the same. It's like you know. Get get it off your chest, calm down a little bit, and then let's talk. Yeah, and, I, th- I think that's great advice, though. I think that if if I was a commissioner and I had somebody call me up and they're screaming and yelling and wouldn't let me get a word in, uh, you know, my reaction would be a lot more different than somebody that was just that called me up and said, "Hey, you know, Don, I got I I've got a problem with this, and and my my thought right. is this, and and I was hoping we can talk about it for a minute." You know, I think that those right. those conversations can really make a big difference. They uh, they absolutely can. You know, I'll tell you, as far as I'm concerned, like I said to begin with, I'm just a regular guy. You know, and I'm reasonable, and I'm, you know, I'm fairly intelligent. I think I'd like to think that, but it's like if you call and talk to somebody and you have a valid concern, absolutely stays in my head. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. It does make a difference. I might not be able to do what you want me to do, but I'll guarantee you that I will consider it. Yeah. And that's, you know. No, I think that's all we can ask. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's it's like all I want to do is, you know, the best job I can. I mean, I I don't have any reason to do this other than I just want to do the best I can. And for the people, you know, that's what I'm all about. So, yeah. Well, we appreciate that, and uh, I know there's there's a lot of folks out there that um, you know whether they have ups and downs with with some of the decisions the commission makes. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there that that appreciate what you guys do, and and uh, you know are, are are pretty reasonable about everything that uh, that does take place. And and I would encourage anybody listening that you know if if you do have a big gripe or if you do have something that you want to bring to the commission's attention, like Don said, just I mean, the email's right there on the website. Shoot them an email. Give them a call. Um, there's other commissioners yeah. out there that, you know, that I, it's probably kind of kind of nice when you guys hear from folks and and uh, get to get have that kind of, you know, dialogue already set up and, and going. So I think it's a good thing. And Absolutely. Just like Absolutely. this. Yeah, and hopefully hopefully you get some calls out of this conversation. So uh, I, think, I think this was a good well, conversation. Well, just don't scream. Yeah, don't scream. <laughs> don't scream. Yeah, so and it, it, it'll be a longer conversation if you got to scream because I got to wait for you to settle down a little bit. But you know, whatever. 
<laughs> whatever. Yeah. So, um, no, I appreciate you coming on the show, Don. This is, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, let's, uh, let's keep the line of communication open. Maybe we'll do this again in the future, huh? Yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed it. And I, you know, I'm, as you can tell, I'm passionate about it. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah, it, I believe it, in people. And yeah. We're going to have to do this again because I, I, we, we didn't even touch on, on the salmon. And, and anything like that. So. Oh my God. Yeah. There you go. Now that's a whole other thing. <laughs> right. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. I wanted to talk about that. So sorry guys. I, I totally forgot to bring up the salmon issues. Uh, but, but we will next well, time. We, yeah. I, you know, I'd, I'd love to, and I don't, maybe some of the other commissioners too, but this is really kind of an exciting thing and I don't have all the answers. I'm, I got to rely on all of you to have the answers. You know what I mean? I mean, I hunt and fish and all that, and I have my whole life. But I'm, I need your help to yeah. make the decisions. Okay, I just do. I got to hear from people. You that, know, that's a great way to put it. That's that's a that's a really good perspective to have, and I think a lot of hunters should appreciate that more. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I'm telling you, that's the honest to God truth. I just, I'm just a regular guy. Well, good deal. I got to well, tell you one more thing, though, and this is a, maybe you could do this before you get mad and call me. It's like go. This is one of my favorite things in the world to do. Go come across a whitetail, and when that whitetail freezes and looks at you, stand there until he moves or she. Then you will be calm. <laughs> that's, that's what you need. Have um, you ever done that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've been getting into whitetail uh, hunting lately. So, uh, yeah, I'm learning a well, lot. Well, you got to stand there a long time to before they move before you do. Mm-hmm. And that's what people need to do when they're angry and want to call me. <laughs> <laughs> that's great advice <laughs> you going whitetail hunting this year it's about it's about to be serious um, yes. whitetail rut oh, yeah. yeah that's my favorite from now now to the end i love it i absolutely love it yeah yeah it's a lot of fun i'm i'm learning I've, I've always been a mule deer hunter so this uh this whole whitetail thing is uh is it's such a challenge and it's it's a lot of fun i've been having a ball with these things well, I can tell you that those whitetails are way smarter than I am, but you know I have killed a few <laughs> nice ones. So they're they're tasty though. They're they're pretty tasty. So it works uh, out. Yeah, yeah, they're. I love I love the taste of deer meat. You know I do. <laughs> it's that's well, good. It's good yep. for you. Good and good for you. That's right. Thanks again, Don. We'll talk to you and soon. Good, good for your soul, right, Jim? That's right. I agree for sure. made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at instagram at the western huntsman and on facebook at the western huntsman and you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com thanks again we'll see you guys next time stay western and i'll see you on the mountain